hasn't started yet. Though. Here we go. Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey Podcast. And for the Fateful, I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Still faithful? <laughs> of course. Takes a lot more than that, Bruce, as you know. I Takes a lot more. To we've been through entire... You know, we've we've been in we've been through seasons where there's been 15 to 20 games like that. Okay, not just one game out of 10. Uh, you know, that was a, it's what I always you know, refer to as a stinker game. Mm-hmm. And every team, even really good teams, have stinker games. So uh, this is has there been one before this? The orders have put up a stinker game. No, I mean, they lost in Chicago 3-1 to one on an empty net goal, you know, and they made it close, and they were at least still fighting as the game, it got down to the game, end of the game. Uh, this game was never in doubt. And they played poorly at, right out of the gate, and even though it was 0-0 for a while, and then Minnesota got 1-2-3, and then that was it. And the score just stayed locked on 3 nothing, and... The Oilers never really generated any kind of pushback, really, at any time in the game, did they? They did not. They were out chance, Bruce, fourteen to three, oh. on grade A chances. Fourteen to three on grade A chances. So three. Uh, three. You'll never. I don't know if I've ever since we've started recording chances, if a team's ever won with just three chances. Three, one? No chance. I know that many teams of you, and you almost always lose when you let it 14. So it was like a double whammy. This was just a horrendous, actually, uh, effort by the Oilers. It was it was as rancid as it gets. So we're, we're going to try to do the two good things, and we do have our two good things lined up. Two bad things and two numbers podcast. Bruce, what was your good thing? Oh, yeah, I had a good thing. Uh, oh, right. Um, I'm going to tip of the cap to Mike Smith for not quitting on the game when... Uh, it was a very quittable game, and it was really... He got bombed for three fast goals in five minutes and didn't get a lot of help on any of those goals. Um, and after that, he was the one that kept the score from getting embarrassing. That easily could have been 6 nothing, you know, uh, the, the way it went. Like, the Oilers really got outplayed, I thought, in all three periods. And uh, they did. At, least, at least the uh, score line didn't get any more embarrassing, even as the... Uh, the actual performance pretty much ranked in that category. Yeah, the only goal I really, you might have faulted him on was the Brad Hunt point shot, but it did look like it, it deflected in off Nurse, changed directions. Oh, yeah. It, it changed did. enough that uh, it fooled the goalie. And, and be, you know, deflection in the slot on a really, really hard shot. That was a rocket. That was a great shot by uh, Brad Hunt. And, and I thought, uh, I, I thought live, sorry, David, I thought live that. I saw Smith moving to his left and then trying to close his legs, and I thought that must have hit something on the way in. And the, the replay they showed about two minutes later from the other side of the ice really showed it. And Smith was moving towards the shot, and it changed direction by maybe a foot, and it went right through. You can't really put that on the goalie. Originally, I thought that's a grade B scoring chance, and you need a save there, but that wasn't really to be saved the way it, the way it worked no. out. He's a fun goalie to watch. Just how uh, he's put so much effort. He's always on the move. He's very frenetic. He's kind of like a '70s or '80s goalie in a lot of ways. Just just the amount of movement and or or in more recently, I mean, he's not as acrobatic as Dominic Hasek, but he does have that that kind of 
style where he's moving here, there, and everywhere, and it's it, it, you can just see the intensity like radiating off the guy during the game. Uh, yeah, a little mustard teammates, on a couple saves. Yeah, unfortunately, his teammates didn't pick up on that intensity. Not at all. Not at all. This was a very disappointing game for uh, this Oilers fan, just by the just by the lack of not only execution but um, just the it. It seemed like they just accepted their fate, and I hate that. Uh, I I I'll rage against the dying of the light, and I'm like Mike Smith in that respect. And, you know, <laughs> still saying go go go, and it just there was no go. There was no no nothing. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. So my good thing was the one other guy who I thought was radiating intensity was Brandon Manning. And, um, you know, he's got every reason to because William Logosin's still here and could be in the lineup any, at any point. But I, I haven't liked hardly any games that Brandon Manning has played for the Oilers, but I like that one. I thought he was hustling hard all night long, a- including the play where he went hard to the net and um, number six of the Wild, what's his mm-hmm. name? He made one of the dumbest plays I think I've ever seen. And in one of the most dangerous plays, he could have easily injured Brandon Manning, and he did injure his own goaltender. So the only excuse you could make for Donato was maybe he, he slipped or he didn't intend, but it looks like he just tried to essentially leg whip um, Manning and take him down as he was going to that, you know, tackle him from behind. It was a terrible play, and... You know, I hope Devin Dubnik is okay because it totally wiped out his own goalie. Like, what a ridiculous play. And and the ref got it exactly right, calling a penalty. But that came through Brandon Manning's hustle. It was one example. And he was generally okay moving and handling the puck as well. So, uh, Brandon Manning, that was my uh, good thing. The only penalty that the Oilers actually drew in the game, the other power play was a puck over uh, blasting. They just weren't forcing enough. And on the odd time that they did, the refs sure weren't noticing and I'm going to whine very briefly about the time Ryan Suter put a stick between Connor McDavid's legs, reefed on it, and McDavid went corkscrewing into the corner boards doing a 720 double circle. And somehow neither Mr. Referee happened to pay attention at the time. That was a bit much. But that was, uh, you know, that was kind of uh, symptomatic of a very poor night for Mr. McDavid generally. But that should have been called. Ten games into the season, and I guess interferences again, especially oh. interference on Connor McDavid is like he was mauled a couple times, and mm-hmm. they, they should just call that. Like, what are they doing? Just call it. And it was quite, uh, you know, and the play on Riley Sheehan, which was kind of a game. The second goal is a big goal. Um, you know, she, Sheehan got he got the guy had his arm around him, and then he then he you know essentially punched him in the face as he's he going stiff, by. He stiff armed him. It was like yeah, a football play, and he stiff armed him. That was a that's a penalty as well, and and um, I was going to pick as my good thing, but I didn't just because Buddy got injured, and I never want anybody to get injured. But the same play. Uh, after, after the, the same play, when Josh Archibald just came in and lowered the boom on the guy that had just taken down Shane, and it was a brutal hard, but I think legal hit. They weren't calling it anyway. And uh, just hammered him to the ice. Little Josh Archibald. I mean, he probably was outweighed by 20 or 30 pounds. But boy, it was that. And it was sort of instant payback. You push my guy down, I'm going to hit you back. And just as I'm saying, good, <laughs> good hit. Two, th- two bad things happened. One, they scored. 
and the other buddy never got up and like you say that kind of takes the shine off of yeah the rough justice i don't like seeing guys yeah i mean he he i didn't mind that he got hammered i did mind that he got hurt when it happened i was uh, especially when i realized it was the same guy had roughed up she and i was actually quite happy that that had happened if i'm completely honest but then again no i don't want to see anyone get hurt either but he had it coming all right um he had the hit coming yeah <laughs> he did uh What's your bad thing, Bruce? <sighs> can I have a list? Like, do I have to, can I narrow it down to the top, say, thousand? Oh, man, I think I'm going to have to pick out one, one play where it looked like the Oilers actually had something going. Yeah, that and was... they had their third or fourth line or whatever. One of the lines that never scores was on the Archibald ice. Archibald was on the ice. Archibald, yeah, Archibald made a nice pass to Kara, I think it was. And Kara made a nice pass to Clefbaum. And here they have these two or three plumbers going to the net. And Clefbaum's got the puck on the, on the top of the left face-off circle. And rather than shoot for the net and hopefully it hits somebody and goes in or there's a rebound or pile-up or something, you know, Clefbaum decides, well, let's make it fat, fancy and try and pass to someone else who actually isn't anywhere around. And he just shoots it blindly behind everybody into the corner and up the boards. And it was kind of similar to that pass Josh, Josh Archibald made about two weeks ago when he when he passed it between McDavid and the goalie and the play went the other way in, in the net. Now, this time, to his credit, Clefbaum came flying back at 100 miles an hour to at least try and make a defensive stop on the guy. And... Uh, on the guy who got the breakaway after the brutal play. Uh, and all he succeeded in doing was tripping the guy and going to the box, and the penalty kill lasted six seconds before it was in the net. So effectively, it, it wound up costing Edmonton the third goal, and it was lights out after that. But just, you know, I don't know what, where he was, what he had in mind there. Like, and pick your spots for those fancy passes. I mean, who, who, which goal scorer are you passing it to on that line? Riley Shane? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a funny player, Bruce, in that, like, I don't, could, can you have inconsistent hockey IQ? Because some nights, he yeah. just, like, tonight, he just seemed to make bad decision after bad decision. Um, that was the, the most flagrant one, probably. Uh, but there was a number of times where just think, where you're watching him and, and it's it's not easy to discern what he was thinking. He's he's out of position. Turnovers. Um, turnovers, defensive breakdowns, and it just seems like. But then other games when you watch him, he seems just so on the ball and crisp and making all the plays. And um, maybe it's a matter of some kind of concentration issue in different games. Um, but that's how he seems to me. He's kind of inconsistent. I don't think it's effort because he always seems to be trying. It's more like inconsistent focus. All right. Uh, my bad thing, Bruce, was another example of inconsistent focus. And we've been praising Leon Dreisaitl of the high heavens. The whole hockey world has, including Craig Button, the known, noted Oilers detractor, uh, although since Ken Holland has taken over, has been changing his tune on the Oilers considerably. He recently on Toronto radio was saying that, uh, that uh, Dreisaitl is far better than Austin Matthews. So that was really high praise because um, especially in Toronto where they, uh, they like, they like comparing Austin Matthews to Connor McDavid. But Bruce on this goal, the bad thing is on this Dreisaitl first, he got beat on the boards. He was covering, I think for nurse. And then the guy he was covering went to the net and scored, but it's, 
it wasn't just Dreisaitl who dropped the ball there. Um, both Matt Benning and Zach Cassian could have taken the player going to the net, and they were all watching the puck attracted to the puck, as, w- as was Darnell Nurse, who was playing the puck. And it just ended up, I think it was deflected off Dreisaitl, or dre- deflected off Nurse, just whipped across the crease. And um, that was the first goal for um, uh, Stahl and the uh, Minnesota Wild. So three guys, Dreisaitl, Cassian, and, and Benning, all had plays on him going, on Stahl going to the net, and they all were, Dreisaitl was just lagging, and the other two were um, focused on the, on the puck and missed the guy, the danger man. Not good. Yeah, well, that goal, that was a strange play. Like, it actually started out really well. There was two two nice passes in Oilers territory, and Leon made uh, a very nice backhand pass out of his zone, and the Oilers came rushing up ice, and it was looking like something. And then Nurse made a pass into somebody's skates, and it came the other way. And Drysaddle is the guy back trying to cover for Nurse. Well, have you ever seen a forward trying to play defense that doesn't know what he's doing? You know how bad they can look? Well, that's how Leon looked on that play. Because what they do is instead of going with the play, they lunge at the guy and try and steal the puck off him like they were attacking him in the other end of the ice. <laughs> yes, yeah. And he lunged at the guy and he got beat bad and it just went downhill quickly from there. Bruce, what is your number tonight? Oh, man. Uh, quickly does math in head. Uh, uh, 152 minutes and 38 seconds. The okay. amount of time since the Oilers last scored a friggin' goal. <laughs> I mean, come on. They couldn't even score in the shootout, for goodness uh, sake. Oh, I was so hoping that a third-line guy would pop a goal or a fourth-line guy would finally, you know, get that monkey off their back. Like, your cho, score awesome. a goal, man. Where, like, you know, Patrick Russell, put one in. Sheehan. You know, one of these guys, score. <laughs> Just score. Yeah. yeah, well, my opening to the game uh, grades is uh, – the question all along has been who's going to score when uh, McDavid and Drysaddle cool down, and the answer is apparently nobody. <laughs> well, even Neil, boy, he came close. Say eh? that that shot by Nugent Hopkins off the post. Yeah, that, was, that would have been three-one, and the Oilers actually would have been kind of back into the game at that point. That was Stalock was just in the game. He hadn't had a warm-up or anything. The penalty, they got the power play. They won the face-off. They made a nice play. Set up a, a real good shot by Nuge, and he hammered it off the post and into Stalock's feet. You know, easily could have bounced off of the goalie and in, but nope. And yes. yeah. then the oh. rest of that power play absolutely sucked. Man, they couldn't get over the blue line, David. I, I don't know what I don't know what's happened. Like the last two games on the on the road trip, they played against the 31st best penalty kill in the league. And the 31st best home penalty kill in, in the league, uh, playing in their home ice. So you would think these are two teams that are maybe slumping penalty kills that our powerful power play should really be able to take advantage of. And I, honestly, I thought all, I mean, they only got four power plays in two games. So we're talking about the real tiny sample size. But none of the power plays was any damn good at all. They just couldn't uh, even set up. They couldn't get over the blue line. So anyway. And so not only were special teams a problem, you know, mm-hmm. where they got outscored one to nothing, even strength, Bruce, the scoring chances were 13 to one. <laughs> 13, 13 to one. Whoa. So they, they need to, um, they're missing, they're missing Negard and Haas. I think their speed. 
they're missing and you know it'd be nice to have i i think i don't know if parson's healthy again but they they need his they need uh, you know manning's and he was my player of the game or the, the good guy but you know they they're better off with a puck mover with cleft bomb like at least one more puck oh, mover they, in the, they, in tried the they switched bear over oh, that they was switched the D part way through i didn't like that at but, all Bear, he had a real rough game. He looked like a rookie tonight. They kept getting in behind him and tight to the net, kind of what happened to him a lot in his call-up two years ago, where guys, crafty guys like Zach Parise, you know, and, and uh, got just got between him and, and the net. And that's bad news, and it happened more than once. But, uh, you know, he was one yeah. of many Oilers that did not look good in this game. So had, his, guards, had his moments, but... yeah. Nygaard's a while away, I guess. Hey, he's still another week or two to four weeks. weeks. They said originally. Yeah. Okay. And Haas is in the minors, and Person might though be back sooner than later. Yeah. Well, those were the three guys, the three wild cards that Ken Holland and the Oilers brought over from Europe to help bolster the lineup, and they've all three of them already disappeared. Hopefully, they'll be back. But well, for they, now, for now, none of them is is out there. I mean, they're not yeah. playing. And I'm not, I'm not loving Archibald's game. That hit aside, I think he's been the weakest of the Oilers' regular forwards. Um, Shea I think I have liked actually. I think mm-hmm. he's been playing well. I think Jujarkara has been playing really weak hockey, and uh, I would like to see him in the press box for a game or two. He just needs to. He needs I don't to get his head involved. I, I'm seeing lots of bad, like some good plays. Like he's got, he's got some ability, and he'll win some battles. But man, does he make clangers, and he makes them. Too too often. Grandland hasn't been impressive, so yeah, too bad Negard got hurt because I I of the newcomers like he was I really liked his game I really do like his game he's fast and he's aggressive and he's skilled so I'd like to see what he could do. So here we go, Bruce. Let's it's we'll see where this season goes. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Fortunately, Bruce, they are seven wins and three losses for um for the month so far. Is this, is this it for the month? Any more games this month? Um, uh, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. This so We're only at the 22nd, so we got a few more. Oh, what am I saying? Uh, 24th. Oh, uh, like, I'm a week ahead this of This is game number 10. And so we're at 7-2-1, uh, and one, which is exactly where the Oilers were after 10 games in uh, 2016-17. And they were actually one point ahead of that pace going into tonight's game. But uh, uh, this was uh, a very lackluster performance. Uh, and effort and uh, a very discouraging game, a boring game to watch. Like it, that really was not a fun game to watch. <laughs> no, it wasn't. We've had some great ones this year. Yeah, we yeah. Had, I can't complain overall, three, but tonight I'm had, complaining. We probably had three or four really great games to watch, mm-hmm. and we probably had, you know, obviously the other wins were good to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any of the losses were too much fun. All right, let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.